the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. We're not all called to be martyrs, otherwise, none of us would be here. We're not all called to be martyrs. But we are called to be willing to face death rather than deny Christ if that's necessary. That's what he's talking about. So if you're a genuine follower of Christ, you've really been converted, then you will be willing to lay down your life if that time comes. Hello, this is Peter Silseth, and I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us through chapter 10 of the book of Matthew. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we begin his concluding message about the marks of a true disciple. In this chapter, Jesus gave his disciples some dire warnings about the future and about our future as well. Thankfully, he tempered his predictions of suffering and persecution with words of encouragement and comfort. Several times in the Gospels, Jesus said that if we are to follow him, we must take up our cross. His disciples seemed to know what he meant, but I wonder if we can fully appreciate the magnitude of that command. The cross isn't just a burden, it's an instrument of death. We will find out more about what it means to pick up and carry our cross as we go through our class today. Now, let's get started. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10 as we continue and really conclude our study today of this wonderful chapter that we've been looking at for the last several weeks. And I want to read to you the last section of the chapter, beginning at verse 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. With these verses, our Lord concludes his instructions to his apostles about being witnesses 
for him in a hostile world, a world of opposition. Throughout this discourse, as you've noticed, he's been very blunt, very forthright, very candid about the kind of treatment that disciples can expect from the savage wolves of this world. He's told them, for example, that they'll be scourged by Jewish authorities in the synagogues. They'll be persecuted, he said, by Gentile authorities in their courts of law. They'll be betrayed by family members, and they'll even be hated by all kinds of people in society in, in general. That's what awaits disciples. But with all of our Lord's honesty and candor, about the world's hostility, it is interesting to note that there is no mention anywhere up to this point of the cross. The cross, that's the most heightened expression of hostility towards him. The crucifixion, the cross of Christ, and yet he never mentions anything about that until you come to verses 38 and 39. He says in those verses, as we just read, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. You may not realize this. In fact, you, you wouldn't unless you did a sort of a harmony of the gospel study. But this is the first time to our knowledge that Jesus ever mentioned anything about the cross to his disciples. Up to this point, he's not said anything unless it's just not recorded for us. But this is the first record, the inspired record of any time that Jesus mentioned during his ministry anything about the concept of the cross and death by crucifixion. But it certainly wasn't the last. This is the first, but not the last time. The thought of losing one's life by taking up your cross is one of the most frequently quoted sayings of Jesus in the entire New Testament. Not only did our Lord say it here in Matthew chapter 10, but Matthew tells us, he said it in other places, and Mark tells us, and Luke tells us that he repeated this concept of the cross to his disciples later in his ministry. For example, Matthew chapter 16, I would encourage you to not only turn there, but keep a little bookmark there. But in Matthew chapter 16, right after Peter's great confession of faith in which he said that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, we read this in Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So this is an entirely other setting. This is later in his ministry, and yet Jesus came back to this very statement. He also spoke of the cross and death later in his ministry. He did it to weed out superficial followers. In Luke chapter 14, verse 27, we read, whoever does not take, uh, does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And we know from other passages in the gospel accounts, there were several other occasions in which Jesus mentioned the same thought, maybe using different words, but the same thought when he said, those who love their life will lose it, those who lose their life will find it. So the concept of the cross and loss of life was a truth frequently taught by Jesus. But why? Why did he say this? In fact, this may have been the most often repeated statements in his ministry. Why did he say it so many times? Because of the incredible significance of the truths contained in these words. You see, this one truth of picking up your cross 
following him, losing your, your life can actually mean the difference between a person going to heaven or going to hell. Because this one truth reveals whether someone is either a true follower of Christ or a pretend follower. Someone who's really been converted or someone who says they're converted, but they really have never been. And that's precisely why Jesus brings us up now at the end of his discourse about being his witnesses to the very dangerous wolves of this, of this world. You see, here's where it all fits. After explaining about all the opposition that disciples can expect as we take the gospel to the world, Jesus wants his men and everyone who hears this to understand that in light of opposition, only true disciples will suffer for him. False, phony, pseudo-disciples will not do that. Only true disciples will deal with opposition in a hostile world. They will, in other words, they will follow Christ regardless of how difficult it'll be. And so as the Lord winds down this sermon, this discourse, he gives several distinguishing marks whereby one can tell if they're a true disciple or not. Last week, we looked at two of these marks of being a true disciple. Number one, he tells us that true disciples confess him before men. He said this in verse 32. He said, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. This is talking about verbal confession. This is talking about being so identified with Christ that you say, you know what, regardless of what it costs me, regardless of the price, regardless of how difficult, I want people to know that Jesus is not only the Lord, he's my Lord. I take my stand with him. I will witness for him. I will be identified as a genuine follower of Christ. So we confess him before men. Now, this doesn't mean at times we don't blow it. This doesn't mean at times we are uh, we we don't have our struggles. There are times we've all been silent. But as the general pattern of our lives, nobody needs to guess whether we're true Christians or not. Nobody needs to to wonder where does he stand when it comes to Christ, because we will confess him before men. The second mark of a genuine, true disciple is that not only will we confess him before men, but we will love Christ more than we love even our own families. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't love our families, but it means that we love Christ even more. And when push comes to shove, we will always take our stand with Christ, even if conflicts result in our family because of this. He says this in verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. As I said, we are not a cult. We do not teach. The New Testament does not teach that you abandon your family. The New Testament does not teach that you, that you hate your family in the, in the sense of true hatred. The Bible teaches that we love our family, but we will never put our family and their values ahead of the word of God. We follow the narrowness of Christ's word, even if conflicts arise as a result of that. That's what Jesus is saying. So we love Christ, we are more loyal to him even than we are to our unsaved family members. Because conflicts are inevitable when you have family members who don't know Christ. A true disciple may not like this because it is awkward, it is uncomfortable, but we will take our stand with Christ even if conflicts arise with family members. So those are the first two marks of 
true disciples. We're not perfect in those marks, but there's a measure of obedience in our lives, and those things are evident. The third mark and the final mark that Jesus mentions of a true disciple is found in verses 38 and 39, and it's this, that a true disciple is willing to die for him. A true disciple is willing to die for Jesus Christ. Verse 38 says this, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Although, as I said earlier, this was the first time, the very first time that Jesus mentioned the cross to his apostles, they really didn't need an explanation of the meaning of the cross because they understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. You see, while they, they did not realize, there's no question that they, that they really didn't grasp at this point that he would someday end up on a cross. They, they didn't have, in fact, they didn't even understand that until the end. Although Jesus said it many times, they didn't know that he would be crucified. Even so, they did understand that the cross spoke of the way that Romans executed their prisoners. They all understood this. In fact, Christ's apostles had seen many Jewish men crucified in their lifetime. And I'll tell you why we know this. There was a Jewish historian who actually worked for the Romans about this, about this time, this, this era in history. His name was Josephus. And Josephus tells us in his writings, and you can get his writings, they've also been translated not only into to English, but, but there's been another translation into easy-to-read English. Josephus tells us that just a few years prior to Christ's ministry, a Jewish zealot by the name of Judas, not to be confused with Judas Iscariot or any of the Lord's apostles, but a, but a Jewish zealot named Judas led a failed insurrection against the Romans. And to teach the Jewish people a lesson about rebellion against their authority, the Romans, we're told by Josephus, crucified about 2,000 Jews in Galilee. And remember, Galilee is where all of Christ's disciples were from except Judas Iscariot. He was from the south in Judea. And so it is certain that these apostles would have seen, just a few years prior to this, the roads in Galilee, their, their own roads, literally lined with Jewish men hanging and dying on crosses. So they were very familiar with this. Therefore, being familiar with crucifixion, hearing Jesus now tell them that they would have to take up their cross and follow him, it must have absolutely stunned them. Must have absolutely stunned them because they knew that death by crucifixion was the most dreaded way to die in the ancient world. To the best of our knowledge, the Romans got the concept of crucifixion from the Phoenicians, who we think invented it, and they invented it to be the worst kind of death known to man. Not only was it the most degrading and shameful way to die, as a man hung naked on a major highway for all to see. By the way, they, there's no such thing. There was no crucifixion on a hill far away. That's a song. That's not the, what the Bible teaches. Crucified men were placed, probably not even on crosses high in the air, but on crosses low to the ground on major highways so that everyone who passed by could see what the Romans did to those who they considered criminals. It was a deterrent to crime. So it was a, a shameful, degrading way. They were not covered. They were completely naked for all to see, hanging on a cross. But also crucifixion was the most excruciatingly painful form of death because it was designed, purposely designed, to be a very slow, 
agonizing death of suffocation as well as the pain that would set in since no vital organ of the body was directly affected. That was by design. They tortured people by crucifixion. Now, with all this in mind, Jesus says to his disciples who knew exactly what he was talking about, that a true disciple will take up his cross and follow him. Now, what exactly did he mean about taking up your cross and following him? Whenever a man was sentenced to be crucified, the Romans required him to carry his own crossbar, those, those wooden beams, to the place of execution. This is why, as you read in the gospel accounts, Jesus initially had to carry his own cross. Remember, after being beaten, they placed the cross on him, but he was too weak to carry it, too weak to, to take it to Calvary because they had, they had beaten him and he was like a, a, a pulp there. And so Mark 15, 21 tells us that there was a man in the crowd that day, Simon of Cyrene, who was forced when Jesus could no longer bear his own cross. Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry Christ's cross to Calvary. So to take up one's cross clearly spoke of, of death. It meant that you carried, literally, you carried those wooden beams on your shoulders and dragged them through the streets until you came to the highway where you were crucified. That's how Jesus meant it. That's how his disciples would have understood it. There's nothing mystical. There's nothing subjective about this. However, keep in mind, Jesus wasn't saying that all who are his disciples are required to physically die. That's not what this means. But he was saying that the proof that one is a genuine disciple is that he's willing to die for him. We're not all called to be martyrs. Otherwise, none of us would be here. We're not all called to be martyrs, but we are called to be willing to face death rather than deny Christ if that's necessary. That's what he's talking about. So if you're a genuine follower of Christ, you've really been converted, then you will be willing to lay down your life if that time comes. Now, that doesn't mean that you have God's grace to do it now. It just means that you're willing, and at the time of death, God will always give you grace. That's why we read in church history about the martyrs in the Christian faith who were burned at the stake or hung or had their, their heads cut off. They always had God's grace to die, and they would not renounce Christ. You're willing to physically lay down your life and be martyred for the Lord. However, while martyrdom is God's will for some believers, it's not God's will for all believers, but there is another aspect of death that is involved in taking up one's cross and following Jesus. And the Lord brought this out to his disciples when he spoke about it in that Matthew 16 passage. And that's why I told you to keep your place there. Matthew 16, notice verse 24. Now, this is another aspect of it. It's not, it's not different, it's just another aspect. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must, notice this, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, in this context, Jesus speaks of denying self in the context of taking up a cross. So we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to follow Christ by denying oneself and taking up the cross? Here's how commentator George Ladd explained it. He wrote, obviously, this does not mean that every disciple must die. He must, however, be ready to do so. What happens to him is unimportant, for the fate of the kingdom is all important. 
This is the meaning of the words. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This does not mean, now note this, this does not mean self-denial. That is denying oneself of life's enjoyments and life's pleasures. Self-denial can have a selfish end. By practicing self-denial, men have sought selfish advantage. Denial of self is the opposite. It means the renunciation of one's own will that the kingdom of God may become that all-important concern of life. Taking up one's cross does not mean assuming burdens. The cross is not a burden, but an instrument of death. The taking of the cross means the death of self, of personal ambition, of self-centered purpose. In the place of selfish attainment, however altruistic and noble, one is to desire alone the rule of God. Now, the whole point, an end of quote there, but the whole point that Jesus was making and that George Ladd was commenting on is that those who are his true disciples hold back nothing in following him. They have renounced self. There is a a sense in which they have died in coming to Christ. They have said, no longer am I on the throne of my life. No longer am I running my life. No longer do I live for myself. I live for Christ. And if that means I physically give my life, then so be it. But if it doesn't mean that, I'm willing. And day by day, my life is his. That's the thought here. And the question is, is that true of you? Have you relinquished the control of your life over to Christ, the throne of your life, by denouncing self-rule and voluntarily accepting Christ's rule over you? You see, in one sense, it is easier to die physically one time and it's over with than to day by day make sure that you are dead in following Christ. See, that's the mark of a true disciple. Understand this, Jesus never presented salvation as believing in him as Savior without a commitment to obey him as Lord. Now, there have been those who have taught that, but the Bible doesn't teach that. He presented salvation as a commitment to obey him and the narrowness of his word, no matter what happens to you. Dr. Stephen Olford, longtime pastor and Bible teacher, used to put it this way. He would say, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Now, I can't say it as dramatically as he did, but he would say that if Jesus Christ is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Now, this doesn't mean that we have our act totally together and that at every moment of every hour, every area of our lives are always under Christ's control. But it does mean that our devotion to Jesus is such that the deepest and greatest desire of our hearts is for him to rule and reign over us completely. And when we do blow it, and when we do see areas of our lives that are not under his control, it grieves us, and we repent of our sin, and we work on obeying him. We don't just uh, just kind of fluff it off and say, oh, well, that's the way it is. Now, this type of commitment to Christ is not true in your life. And by that, we mean there's no measure of obedience in your life, none at all. Then you need to examine your heart about salvation because, folks, I have to tell you, this is the normal Christian life. Jesus wasn't laying down principles here for those who are who have a deeper commitment to him than others. This is not a principle for full-time workers or those who, who say, I'll be a missionary in the world. This is for all of us who know Christ, the mark of being a true follower of his, not a committed follower, but a true follower of his, is to have a devotion to him above everything and everyone. Those are the standards of the New Testament. 
Pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff will continue with our lesson about the cross in the next verse-by-verse. For more than 26 years, Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His teaching has now expanded to the world of radio through the work of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and funded by the gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Today's class was the beginning of a two-part message which concludes our series about the marks of a true disciple. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, I suggest you order either an audio CD or a cassette tape. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. If you missed the start of class today, or if you have a friend who would like to hear it later, it is available on our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have previous classes on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. All of these words about suffering and persecution can be pretty alarming. As a result, many people are reluctant to come to Christ because they think that once they make Him Lord and Savior, all joy will be gone from their lives. But as we will see in our next class, nothing could be further from the truth. When we die to self, something even better takes its place. Join Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.